0: Do you live? You don't live here, do you?
1: I live in the Netherlands, yeah.
0: Where do you live? No, not in Utrecht?
1: Uh, no, not Utrecht. I used to, well, I studied in uh, Amsterdam. I came here for my master's in 2010. So, three years, two years it was master's, and one more year I stayed in Amsterdam. Then I recently, I've recently moved to The Hague. Why'd you move to The Hague? Why did I move to Hague is another question but I would uh, rather explain why I moved out from Amsterdam the reason that well first I had a job there at this ensemble called the new ensemble uh, ensemble of contemporary music quite uh, Yeah I know that ensemble yeah, important yeah. one in the Netherlands anyway so I had their kind of administrative and also uh, well I was part of the artistic team and organizational team as well but last year they uh, lost their subsidy because of the budget uh, cuts. In, oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And culture.
0: Like it was part of the same slashing that happened here at this festival.
1: Exactly. And well, yeah, they basically have almost nothing. So therefore they need to well let people go, of course. They had to. Plus, I had a girlfriend last year who also now is going to start study uh, studying abroad. So I have no real reasons to be in the Netherlands. And at that moment, I... Met um, some people in the Hague who are initiating a, a kind of music school. I will be teaching there most probably. Okay. And also, I like the I like the Hague actually in the sense that well, I'm more of a calm person, and Amsterdam is attracting obviously quite a lot of tourists, and which which is not the case for the Hague. And I actually like to be in the Hague. It's more calmer and there's more nature.
0: I always think that whenever I go to Amsterdam, I always think Dutch people must hate this place. Because it's filled, I mean, not the city, but the people in it is just filled with, like, tourists. But, like, the worst kind of tourist, Like, the ones that go there to, like, do awful things and, like, stumble around the streets. They like their bicycles here. Uh, and, you know, people, I just saw people constantly walking in front of bicycles, like.
1: I, I see what you mean. Um, well, the tourists are, of course, especially, uh, there are a lot of them in the very center. So if you if you're a bit out of that circle of the center, so uh, they're not like everywhere, and I think that's the problem. Like as you said, like tourists hoarding like awful things and uh, they're drunk or whatever. I think that's the common problem of all the touristic cities. So it's that.
0: I think the worst representatives from each country uh, come go to uh, Amsterdam because they go to their party, right? Ah, uh, well, that's true. So it's like party animals. Like it, that's there's, there's a difference between like and, and like let's go to Amsterdam to party and then like oh, let's go to Paris and see the museums. And yeah, okay, yeah, maybe yeah. those people aren't much. familiar with the language or something, but they're not stumbling around like high well, on yeah. mushrooms. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: You, you have a point, yeah. Yeah. You might yeah. be right. Yeah, I mean, you're right.
0: Yeah. Where are you originally from?
1: I'm originally from Turkey.
0: Okay. What uh What town?
1: Uh, What's up? I was born in the capital, Ankara. Then, okay. uh, at the age of eight, we moved with my family to Antalya which is a southern city, very touristic. Many people know about it. And I lived there until the age of 18. And at that point, I decided to study composition and I moved to Uzbekistan.
0: What? Who's uh, Pakistan? Yeah, and they,
1: yeah I, I've answered this question so many times in my life. I mean, you haven't asked the questions yet. Question yet, but I know what is going well, to before what
0: before we even go there, let me say, what kind of exposure to new music did you have in this? What's the name of this town south of Ankara?
1: Uh, Antalya.
0: Antalya. Yeah. Okay. So, what kind of new music exposure did you have in a small town south of the capital?
1: Yeah, it was it was um, quite limited, of course, this exposure. However, uh, I must perhaps mention about my, um, in one sense, in to my old, uh, well, not old, to my uh, piano teacher, with whom I've been studying uh, those years during my high school education. And I was a piano student uh, at the conservatory. And he was playing uh, some strange music, so to speak, and doing things within the piano, things that I've never uh, heard or listened before. And it, it happened that he showed me the score of this music
0: who? What was the composer? Yeah, I'm going Who's to. It? it was
1: George Crump. Okay. So, I was so charmed by this uh, entirely new and undiscovered for me, of course, world of sounds. I had, I didn't really understand it. It was not too much comprehensible, but I didn't quite know what was going on there. Yet it was really fascinating for me. So I started reading uh, the scores of Crump. There were only like two, three scores, like the Little Suite for the Christmas, and uh, maybe one volume of Microcosmos, uh, only piano pieces. So I've been reading these scores, and I uh, soon started to imitate. and started to you know try writing things in the style of Crumb, and start also trying to steal. Uh, not steal, but uh, how, how do you how would you call that? incorporate or whatever or borrow whatever you can call it steal though yeah, i mean i don't stealing. i don't get
0: offended by that i'm not gonna be like, oh you stole at the age of it like who didn't yeah so exactly. okay like everybody else you stole
1: so yeah i uh took some sounds from him and started to uh try to uh, do little pieces for piano so that was the first uh, acquaintance and there was okay, a part of, but they were like less interesting in some sense because like, well, they're more uh, traditional
0: in one sense. But as far as exposure to like the newest of new, of course, well, I, nobody really gets that at 18 anyway, but you didn't have like the town you were in didn't have like really any, re- the only resources you had was a piano teacher who had some crumb scores.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There, there was no other uh, sources. Yeah. Uh, well, I've, of course, we've been reading in our uh, books that there is this guy whose name is Schoenberg. The, the problem is I knew who Schoenberg or Berg was, but we didn't have recordings around there. And uh, I was not really internet friendly back at that time. Uh, so I basically, it took quite a long time. I knew all these names and I'm quite good with the names actually. I remember many names, but I had no idea like until I went to Uzbekistan, I had no idea how uh Schoenberg music would sound.
0: Or... Until you went to Uzbekistan. <laughs> why I went to Uzbekistan. Yeah yeah um, why did you why did you go? Of out of course. all the places yeah. Uzbekistan.
1: Well of course if you want to study composition what uh, as a Turkish student, young guy, uh, well what would be the options? Probably to look for something in Turkey which I never really considered. I don't know why. But I wanted to get out of Turkey for some reason. I don't recall clearly, but I never, somehow I never considered it. The second and probably the most, you know, first thing that comes to your mind is to go to Europe somewhere to study, perhaps Germany or something. Uh, Somehow uh, I couldn't also uh, consider it because I didn't have any financial means. I mean, my family had no financial means to support me in my education. And considering that, like, the euro is the, you know, their currency is like two and a half times more than Turkish yeah, uh, yeah. money so it is quite difficult also Turkish government has absolutely no uh, funding or no scholarships they don't really support arts or the students uh, of uh, who are studying art and uh, so and in Europe maybe that would be possible however in the bachelor degree there are also not many things I think that you can find to support yourself anyway so at that moment uh, in the city where I was studying, Antalya, we had a little conservatory there and it was a re- really limited area. But we had this oboe teacher and he uh, just at that time he's been to Uzbekistan to, make the, to perform in the premiere of uh, Uzbek composer who dedicated an oboe concerto to this guy, to, the, to this teacher. And um, so he got back and he said, yeah, why don't you go to Uzbekistan? It's, it's first of all, cheap there. Second of all, well, since there also they have this Soviet tradition in one sense and the heritage of the um, knowledge and the discipline of the Soviet system, which was very important. It was the you know government's policy of the Soviet. Like all of Soviet. those
0: famous Russian pianists, like that comes from that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay.
1: So... He advised me that it might be a good place to gain the like basic technical knowledge, uh, the you know the classical traditional knowledge uh, of writing music and music history. So I thought, okay, that sounds not bad. So I went to Uzbekistan. Probably I should also mention a bit about what what were my experiences. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. waiting yeah. for that. Well, I think if to discuss it or to to undertake the situation objectively, pr- probably that would help. That could have been a catastrophe for anyone, especially you know you're coming from a bit from west and you're going to a kind of desert, which which was the situation of Uzbekistan actually uh, that I didn't quite know. I was expecting something more richer actually, but conservatory uh, turned out to be quite um, degrading. Once upon a time I heard a lot and I read a lot that it's been quite lively,
0: but what, what do you mean degrading?
1: Uh, degrading in the sense like that the quality the, the, yeah, quality exactly. Yeah. Well, teachers were not not really knowledgeable, uh, especially regarding the uh, new music scene or new tendencies, uh, streams. That you know what is what has been going on.
0: What are the the what are the other composers like there? What are they writing?
1: Uh, They're writing most of them, excluding one that I can mention. Most of them are writing, or they have to write, kind of, because well, Uzbekistan is a country who just you know like twenty years ago they had their independence and they're trying to become this nation state which you know all the other i mean many other countries uh, have gone through this process like century ago and now now they're going through this process therefore their composers are writing this quasi synthesis of the Uzbek national music it's poured into some western uh, norms of orchestration and Ugh, uh, you okay. know, and forms you know it's yeah, so a basic there are
0: I know you said you said that to me and I know exactly what you're yeah, talking Yeah like you know if like you, I've never heard a Uzbek composer before yeah, like, I'm sure if, I have if you know, like yeah.
1: Khachaturian and you know this yeah. kind of composers. Yeah, yeah. so even worse than Khachaturian okay maybe I shouldn't have said that uh so direction is this. so it's it's the yeah this uh, I would say the Uzbek Folk music material with the western forms and or instruments and uh Norms of Uh, (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, everybody was
0: doing that what do they think that's the best way for a country to get a unique profile in their music and they were not concerned
1: about they were not concerned about having a unique profile i mean that's process i can understand not that i agree but no no, no,
0: i'm not talking about individual composers i'm talking about let's say the whole they were like okay this is a this is a relatively new state that we are is independent we want to establish a tradition why do they go for the synthesis route you know that seems to be like the generic thing that people go for you know when they're trying to create a unique profile that's attached to a country i guess it makes i don't know i guess it kind of makes sense but yeah this, this is what i was trying awful. to point out yeah. because we've gone
1: in turkey gone through this process uh, but 100 year, years ago when we were becoming a, a nation state after uh, the ottoman empire so now Uzbekistan is going through this stage at the moment. That's why it sounds quite strange to us. But the thing is that they had no national identity because, you know, Soviet system, they they had to be uh, quite interna- uh, internationalistic. Therefore, their national identity was suppressed and they want to now uh, somehow polish and, and they want to put in the first plan this national uh, identity and therefore... They are thinking that this is the way to, you know, reflect their national identity, to embrace the folk music, but yet to synthesize it with European norms. Although it doesn't quite make sense. I understand what you mean. Why then European forms? I mean, so why this synthesis? Why don't you just uh, perhaps invest more to your only uh, to your folk music or something to your historical heritage that yeah. makes sense but to make a synthesis between these two it doesn't so much make sense well i don't know
0: okay so anyway you're there <sighs> yeah you're put down in the middle of this like decrepit conservatory that teachers aren't knowledgeable I imagine the building's falling apart for some reason.
1: No, building was absolutely good. Okay, damn. It, it is too excessive. That, that's the thing of the Soviet time also, this uh, uh, gigantomania. How would I... How would, you know, everything should be very big to represent the power of the state. Whatever. Um, so, well it well conservator conservatory was yes best but i i mean i cannot generalize it saying that you know all the teachers were uh, really incompetent no i mean there were of course uh, several teachers who were quite who respected I and mean, other and they were truly knowledgeable and tried to give you things so i i sh- okay. i, sh- I, I mean i mean okay so
0: but it. regardless you're not in the best environment and you're aware that you're not yeah, in the yeah, best yeah, environment yeah
1: yeah that, that's true so at that moment i luckily met these people who are constituting the only contemporary music ensemble that takes place today in uh, Central Asia. In the whole Central Asia, there is only one contemporary music ensemble, which is based in Tashkent called the Omnibus Ensemble. So they had a quite uh, young group, young team of musicians, more or less all my age or a bit older, perhaps. And they had a very good uh, artistic director and a conductor whose name is Artyom Kim. And uh, Artyom was absolutely knowledgeable, and he he had many scores, and uh, he really developed himself. And he was also he he's played quite frequently. Uh, okay, maybe not quite frequently, but he's played in Netherlands, especially, especially by the New Ensemble and Atlas Ensemble. Anyway, meeting these people uh, made a great change in my life. Probably most of all, because uh, my music started to play it constantly. Whatever I did was uh played by them the way i put it the way i generally uh talk about this is i didn't quite know how to notate things i didn't quite know how to you know form a piece of music and you
0: didn't have sc- did you like when i also say yeah. like bad environment did you have scores that you could look at like well but, conservatory- but, but then i mean like hey i you know let's oh look a Sharino score and then you look and I'm like oh that's how this is done that's how that crazy sound is made did you have that there I'm wondering what your exposure was at this point to like the yes. actual what's going on. Yeah.
1: So since I went there first to study co- at the conservatory, of course, my first acquaintance with the, was with the conservatory, and I saw that pretty soon that teachers were not really, you know, they couldn't give me the knowledge that I was looking for. Uh, the library was completely. I mean, uh, they were really lacking any kind of contemporary uh, scores, no recordings, nothing, and. I slowly started to become desperate, and at that moment I met these people. So Artyom, uh, the artistic director, had quite a lot of scores and uh, recordings. And I also I soon met a few other composer friends, uh, students who were equally interested in the contemporary music and they were trying to catch up with what has been going on uh, in the world, so they had already some things downloaded. Uh, from internet, from recent, uh, from you know several sources, and I was uh, taking everything from then. I, I and I've been swallowing everything pretty quickly, and I've been. Um, uh, yesterday I mentioned uh, a bit. I've been falling in love pretty much with everything. Like uh, first it was Boulez and Stockhausen, then one day I had uh, a Shavino score. It was actually a compilation of Shavino scores. Uh, but I didn't know, I didn't have recordings, but like I remember whole summer I was reading these uh, Sharina scores and I wrote a piece with those sounds, of, although I didn't know how they sounded really. But then I went to this ensemble and we worked it out. And
0: Wait, say that again. So you didn't have a recording?
1: Of Sharina scores. But but
0: you literally, you were like, but I want to hear it. Yeah. So let's give it to the ensemble
1: yeah exactly so uh yeah i mean it doesn't sound (laughs) very smart but well some things there were some sounds that i could kind of imagine how would they sounding so i thought okay i can probably take this to my piece and it will be also good uh, reason to because we had these reading sessions uh with the ensemble so i thought okay i'll just take these sounds and, and see how are they going to sound and the problem was that or, or maybe not the problem but these uh, musicians they also it was the first time they they saw all these
0: sounds yeah and, that was my next question like yeah. how much of an expert were they at performing these they've been gradually enlarging their repertoire
1: of course the sound world of charino and lahem these kind of composers were quite alien to them at that moment they've been okay playing boulez, the and more uh how to say pitch Uh, oriented composers in one sense Uh, I I wouldn't like to make such a definition but you know what I mean I think in that sense Uh, so also these sounds of Sharino and Lahman it was the first time they've been getting acquainted with these kind of sounds and they didn't know quite uh, how to do them and they couldn't produce most of them and there were a number of things that they could do and then we came to an agreement which of the sounds we could use and which uh, we couldn't use I met these people, and therefore, I think this whole e- four years in Uzbekistan uh, has been a truly. Now that I, in res- retrospective, it was truly a fortunate experience. I think because. Well, I had the time and space because my teacher let me go because he didn't understand what am i was uh, trying to do for him. I was kind of a weird old. old. I was just trying to learn very normal things that all the people are, you know, in Europe and um, in the states are knowing anime, and I was also trying to, you know, catch up with these uh, pretty ordinary things.
0: Were you unique in that sense? Were your colleagues also? feeling the need to get out or were they okay with synthesizing western blah 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 with well, folk music most of, most blah, of blah, blah, the blah. students had had yeah.
1: no idea about what was going on really and therefore they were readily uh but neither- but
0: it. i mean neither did you kind of till you but you had a thing in you that said i have to try and find out did they have that too and they just didn't know how to do it or they were just they were okay with the situation that they were in yeah, it's it's a
1: difficult question. I don't know why. What what is the problem exactly? But I've experienced that this ensemble have been organizing every year every year international master masterclass, and they invited quite important uh, composers. Actually, they were attending all these masterclasses and listening to all these strange things. However, most of them had well, seemingly had no intentions to try all these things out in their own practice which I always found uh, strange. I mean, I've been stealing t- throughout all my youth, and I did it shamelessly because I knew that this is the way to, you know, find out if I like this really, I need to try this in my practice. I knew it. But however, most of the other students never felt like in this way. I don't know why. And and well, they attended all these masterclasses. However, they just got back home and they kept writing their uh, Uzbek national music in
0: the... Uh, with major and minor harmonies do they do do they have uh i'm sorry i'm like obsessing on this a little bit but do they have careers after their okay so they're writing a combination of folk music and western music i'm sorry to obsess on them but this isn't in, i'm interested in this for some reason and after they're finished do, do they have careers waiting for them like is there a job or, or like a a place for them where this music will get played and they'll get paid to write this music
1: well, uh, I would put it in this way. Well, there is kind of career or I would say like there are two options more or less if you finish. Well, first of all, you're going to have a kind of career, but it will be in the very local uh, level, obviously. I mean, you'll be known in Uzbekistan probably if you're lucky enough, but not somewhere else, that's for sure. And um, so what can you do is if you're a bit lucky or kind of uh, more standing out among all these students then you might have a place uh, in the upcoming years at the conservatory or in, in another music school in uzbekistan you can be teaching composition and since you're doing the music which is promoted and which is demanded by the government they are going to be uh, demanded by the government yeah th- this is a certain type of aesthetics of writing music that is demanded by the government because it suits the, but what do you mean by demand? Uh, what I mean is that, as I said, they're trying to establish their uh, nation state. Therefore, this music that is um, containing the Uzbek folk, folk music, music yeah. is demanded by the government. I mean, there are like literal from the Ministry of Culture, there are people coming and saying that you should be writing this kind of music. You know what I
0: mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm just like I'm in yeah, a little but, bit I mean, like whoa. Yeah, yeah, but
1: I mean for for us, for me, for people from there, from Soviet Republic, mm, this is nothing to be surprised about. I mean, if you know a bit of the history of the Soviet music, I mean, what's happened? Of, I mean, of course, y-
0: y- y- you hear about it, and like of course, I hear stories like that. But then yeah, at, but the, at not, the same, same time,
1: like legends or myths, they're, yeah, yeah,
0: they they're, they're still legends and myths. So when somebody's like, I saw this guy and he said to do this, I'm like, really? Wow, no, no, I no, thought that, that was that, that's true. I thought it was a less extreme version of the extreme story that I was her- hearing.
1: No, look, I mean, we had the same thing in Turkey. For example, uh, uh, we had uh, like five composers after the uh, foundation of the republic. And one of them was, you know, he, he was kind of more famous than the others. And he explicitly said well, after the death of the uh, founder of our republic, Mustafa, Mustafa Kemal Atatürk, that he was told by him, by the you know leader of the new regime... So Atatürk told to this composer To write in a certain uh, Way uh, Music Because Atatürk established a a theory uh, Asserting that All the uh, other languages And whatever music Was derived from the Turkish culture Whatever it's not important So he thought that Somehow Turkish music's Basis is pentatonic and therefore All the Turkish composers should be Writing with pentatonic scales and the, the modes so i mean there's nothing surprising about it i know it might be sounding uh, wow it can't be true but it is it is entirely true all these, you know uh, uh directions from top to bottom My God. to the artists yeah.
0: i'm such a spoiled westerner okay let's get back to you yeah all right so um i'm sorry i was just interested in that yeah No, no uh, problem. um so you this this was your whole time at this uh, Uzbekistan, at the Uzbeki Conservatory. Thank God you got to know this ensemble because then they they were the only people really looking outwards and helping you get exposure. Literally to the point where you couldn't get your hands in the recording of something, so you would have them play it. After that, where do you go?
1: Well, I was in my fourth year of bachelor studies at this yeah. conservatory, and at that point, uh, at that in 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 that year uh, again to these masterclasses that were organized by this ensemble. There was a Dutch composer and, uh, well, his name is UL Bones. And he's the artistic director of the new ensemble. And he was also back at that time coordinator of the Conservatory of the Amsterdam, of Amsterdam Composition Department coordinator. So he came there and we met. And, well, first of all... We're both aware of it. We felt kind of a, um, well, humanly affinity towards each other, even without knowing, quite knowing each other's music or something. Of course, I knew him, uh, who is he? And because I I knew, knew ensemble, who are they? What are they doing? And uh, they were even kind of my heroes. And I've been dreaming my pieces to be performed one day by them. So Yoel came and I was quite nervous exactly. And I spent like whole summer Every day work, working like uh, Eight, ten hours To to make a really good score To be able to show this very cool guy You know, Yoel Bones and So he came and he turned out To be quite modest, simple human being Very nice guy so I showed him my music. We had like a couple of lessons, but we mostly talked about... Of course, he listened to my music. He checked my scores. And well, apparently, he liked what I've been doing. Or, or you know, he found probably that I had a potential. So I also liked him a lot. And I thought that it might be really interesting to go to Amsterdam to study. Although, until that point, I was uh, planning to go to Stuttgart. I even sent my scores to uh, Kaspar Johannes Walter, who is a composition teacher at the Konserv- Hochschule uh, in Stuttgart. But then uh, meeting Joel, everything changed. And I, of course, it was not only because of Joel, I also made, made some research on the internet, what might be the possible differences between, you know, uh, musical landscape of the Netherlands and the Germany. And, Pretty huge differences. Yeah, huge Opposites. differences. In literally. It. Indeed. Well, yeah. what I uh, saw, what well, my impression was at that time that in Netherlands, it's what are the differences? Well, it just seemed to me that diversity is more welcomed here and also the, how to say, um, well, this discussion culture is something very important in German and very lively, which is inevitable, of course, after like, uh, I don't know, all these philosophers and Benjamin and I don't know, of course, it's very normal that people want to, undertake a, a, a work of art with all the dimensions and they're also interested if the work of art has any connections uh, or has something to say about the politics or the uh, society however in Netherlands it was more um, simple more abstract and the sound oriented approach if you know what I mean which attracted me more at that point
0: sound oriented approaches uh, well amazing <laughs> Um, no, I agree. I, I agree with you, but like, of course, it should be—it's music. It should be a sound-oriented, you know. Yeah. What, what
1: I mean is, um, well, I don't know if it was clear enough. What I mean is that Dutch people are not that much concerned. Are, are probably in in general German people. I mean, they don't care so much, perhaps, about discussing it, but rather they want to listen and they want to enjoy. I, I don't want to speak in this kind of very simple words, but. I don't know, Dutch music and the uh, Dutch composers overall seemed more, I don't know, lively, even happy music. Uh, you know what I mean? It it was more colorful. Yeah, I know exactly than, what you yeah, mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, than the, uh, you know, like Darmstadt or post-Darmstadt. Not that all the German composers are writing in that way. But I, I think, uh, you know what I mean?
0: I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I think people who listen to this also know what you mean. Yeah, because yeah. Because yeah. the because they because they're familiar with both scenes very yeah, well, yeah, probably. Yeah. Well,
1: I'm just afraid to make any kind of you know uh, big judgments. So this was the way I I saw it roughly at that time, and just the Holland and that uh, Netherlands. What
0: kind of music are, before you go to Amsterdam? What type of music are you writing? What does it sound like?
1: It is very difficult to talk about this because yeah. e- even even today, if you would ask me what kind of music you you write or you or can you show me like a work that you know more or less identifies or reflects your what are you thinking presence? about
0: then what are your concerns what what are your ambitions in your music I, I think point?
1: I had quite a rational approach or point of view regarding my development in the sense that I've been pretty much consciously trying out entirely different aesthetics in order to enlarge my uh technical uh the technical tools that i have as a composer so i tried pretty much everything like uh Sharina sounds to serial uh post serial sets uh, pitch uh, sets to, for writing music like from russian avant-gardists uh like uh goodbye and they have a uh, Think they have this thing called uh, polystylism. From that to you know pretty much okay, not everything. I I didn't, I couldn't really quite go into electronic or electroacoustic music because we simply didn't have any instruments for that in Uzbekistan. But you know, in the sense of acoustic contemporary music, I tried pretty much everything. I wrote quite a lot really, and well, nowadays I don't show pieces from that time to anywhere. I don't even know where are they, but I've written quite a lot and I tried quite different things therefore sorry i cannot really define or point so out it was vastly different thing.
0: from piece to piece yeah and then once you get there do you obviously you start making choices about what you want to keep and what you don't want to keep
1: yeah I, i'm still doing that those choices i think i'm not really clear still what i want to do and what i like and why don't what i don't because yeah i mean my interests are quite broad in music and they're changing constantly of course now it's more refined so I know better what I want and what I don't like and what I don't want to be. But at that time it was really a whole big mess in my mind.
0: But as soon as you get to Amsterdam it does start funneling down. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You start you know, you start focusing a little bit to where you are now, which yeah, that's true. might not be completely focused. That's true. But yeah. it's still not you know right. you're still not writing vastly different you're not no. doing polystyle and then all of no. a sudden you're ripping off, you know, yeah. some weird no decaphonic 12-tone technique so what are those choices that you're making once you're there
1: yes uh first year in amsterdam
0: was still i think I, i've been quite struggling
1: uh and i've been going here and there and trying different things out however second year was a crucial point i think second year of my master's studies because i started studying with richard eyes studies with richard has been like immensely intensive and first time in my life i started asking questions myself like what do i really like and why and why am i doing certain things and then and why am i not doing other things and if i'm doing a certain thing why am i doing it in this certain way but not in another way so of course i had uh, some inferences and conclusions from this and i came to these conclusions after actually listening my listening to my older pieces i think this will this might take long but uh, i'll try yeah, take to take your time I okay mean, this is not- so one day i've been it, it was a kind of crisis point so i started listening to my older pieces and what i noticed was i was trying to have a kind of objective distance and try to find out just not like i like it or not i don't like it just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work so i mm-hmm. what i saw was What works in every piece was the very first one and a half or two minutes were really strong iPhones. But the rest was uh, I was trying to then develop this uh, material, which was uh, exposed in the first minutes. And at the moment when I've been trying to apply kind of these developmental techniques to the material, then it didn't work well for me. So at that point, what you can do as a composer is perhaps if you're interested, uh, you need to develop yourself uh, in mastering in these developmental techniques, or maybe you should uh, say to yourself, well, you're simply not good at this and find another way to make a piece of music. So I started thinking about it and of course it didn't happen in one day, but within like one year I had two entirely opposite ideas of how to make a music piece. And actually, That was the point where I understood a very simple fact uh, like Actually what we do as composers are to fulfill with sounds a given time span So actually very roughly and basically this is what writing music is for me So the first idea was it came from my obsession of Exposing a musical idea in the best way possible meaning that uh, I spent lots of time and lots of energy making several versions of exposing a single musical idea
0: oh i see almost like a theme in variation
1: uh yeah but i don't do i don't think about making variations but i have let's say a musical phrase or or a texture or or whatever it might be i will write this uh, single thing in many different uh, versions until the point that i find it it is ready and I can move on. So I noticed that I'm spending too much time on this because I cannot, and, and this is this is, this was just in the practical sense making it difficult to finish pieces. So that was the problem. I had two, first two minutes very good and the rest was not very good because I didn't have enough time. I was spending simply too much time in the first exposition. So I thought what I can do was to perhaps juxtapose Several versions of one single musical idea, and that's how I made this nominated piece called "Il Voto de Leonenza."
0: So basically, it was just I like the two minutes. Let me figure out as many different angles I can approach these two minutes of, exactly, and that'll be a piece. But you must apply some other larger form than two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Two minutes done. You know, uh-huh. how do you shape it beyond that? As I mentioned, I I had two
1: conclusions. First was uh, indeed juxtaposing uh, the you know to point out this very same object from different angles several times. So I had only two pieces written with this uh, kind of approach. In this piece, nominated piece, "Il Voto della I have a phrase which consists of you know, several notes. It's very clear and played by piano. Why this phrase? If you ask me, uh, I have no answer. It just felt in that way. Uh, I just sat behind piano and I, I had those notes. And moreover, it is absolutely no. Uh, important which melody or which phrase would that be because in this piece I'm more concerned about how do I morph from one pitch to another in different ways so there could be entirely different pitches but the uh, way of working would be the same the way of working what I mean by that is all what is going on in this piece is that uh, indeed piano is Playing all the time this phrase, and the rest of the instruments are attacking the attacks of the piano. Uh, since the other instruments are, uh, they have mostly sustained sounds, and they're morphing all the time. You know, between clarinets, from clarinets to uh, the electronic sounds, from guitar to sine waves, the very same pitches. We have a constant morphing process between uh, instruments. So this is the main thing, but not the phrase. So it was a technical thing. And second thing was I was uh, personally tired of listening to, I mean, nowadays there are many really good composers who are absolutely master in uh, making all these great structures and connecting things seem to be allegedly unconnectable, you know, to create all these uh, great structures and i was a bit tired of listening to that music and also also writing that kind of music where it seemed kind of egoistic for me like you know i'm re- ma- making this structure and and, and i'm writing uh, writing this great bombastic piece just to you know show how good i am and how uh, greatly i am i can apply all these techniques to my piece of music uh I, I'm not saying that composer are doing that is like they're egoistic or some or they're megalomaniac. This is not what I mean at all. It's just I was kind of tired from this way of approaching to like show my mastery or to approach to the to music as um you know your uh self-satisfaction to show people how great you are in writing music. I don't want to say it. this is I mean in, in everything there's a ego thing because it might be equally uh sounding uh false. And now that I'm saying that I was sick of it or maybe I'm, I, I simply didn't have the enough mastery as the other composers. That's why I chose to behave in this way. Maybe I'm be, being too honest, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't mean that, okay, there's this part of ego uh, if you're working in this way, but it doesn't mean necessarily that it's bad.
0: So now what would you say a form is now? It's much more accessible i mean in the instance of these two pieces
1: or this piece that is nominated yeah this is what i was thinking i'm just going to you know have an object as it occurred to me i'll just go sit behind the piano without worrying I'll, i'm just going to write this phrase then you know i won't be caring about what can i do what a great thing i could create uh, from from this departure point what could i create more or bigger or more impressive or something i'm just going to you know, put it in front of me. I'm going to uh, try listening to it. What is it? And to be able to, you know, try to understand what this object is actually. What is happening, or what might happen within the object. So not changing it, not processing it, not to try to arrive something else. To simply serve myself. You know, to see myself as a servant of this object, which has actually has a life without me even you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. and to to try putting my personality in it and also trying to understand uh what it speaks to me and to you know make a piece uh thro- pointing out different qualities and different relationships within the possibilities of this uh single musical phrase
0: there's a piece that you wrote that i just listened to on the way here 17 yeah, thoughts yeah. That, yeah. that now that, that that title sounds like that process right uh, yeah, but so this is the actual
1: second conclusion that, you know, uh, just I was talking about. One yeah.
0: was to juxtapose
1: one thing several times, uh, several versions of one thing. So well, reiterations. And the second idea was to do something uh, entirely opposite t- to that, which was to compose a number of little pieces. And I composed them in the first place. Uh, Not caring so much about the macro form, but I was just only concerned about writing different pieces and then then I would put them in front of me and I would decide how I can make a dramaturgical plan. in one sense it's like a you know editing process of a movie director you i mean you gather uh you collect uh scenes uh footages and mm-hmm. then you sit down and you cut them you glue them and you you make your film
0: yeah but you but you you made these miniatures each one in isolation you're saying uh
1: yes but some of the some of I them mean, are I'll, repeated
0: yeah and of course like the instrumentation stays the same or yeah. like the ensemble stay like practical things stays yeah, the, yeah, yeah. stay the same yeah and then you just kind of toss them together in one, look at them all, and you go, oh, that goes there, that goes there, that yeah, goes yeah. there, that goes there. But you also must have composed transitions once you did that, right?
1: No, because uh, well, there are things that might function as transitions. However, uh, there are two things that I don't like in writing music. Okay, maybe three things. One is intros. Second thing is like the, you know, conclusions or something. You know, I, I don't like the pieces that, ends like you know ending and the other thing is transitions i don't understand the point i mean i'm trying to be in my life also uh, and in my relations with people and as well in my music trying to be as direct as possible i'm trying to put things as immediate as i see them and uh, as i can express them therefore things that might be even functioning as bridges they were initially actually little Uh, musical ideas that I wrote separately, but then in the process of this dramaturgical plan of the piece, I thought, okay, they might function perhaps as
0: transitions. So, okay, so they might be transitions, but you initially didn't think of them as transitions, yeah. What dramaturgy did you put together from this? There was this
1: very simple principle of contrast that uh, determines more or less, especially the uh, adjacent numbers. So if I had impulsive more expressive number then after that there were more or less more uh you know sparse maybe in one sense number and um also some of the numbers are repeated throughout the process of the piece which i found vital because since there is this great great diversity of different pieces, which uh, they all have different character and different pitch material, rhythm, uh, texture, whatever. So some numbers had to be repeated. So how I decided was, well, I don't want to go so much to technical detail, but if it was like I don't know A B C, then I would take A again and try to listen. How does it sound? If if it works or should I like perhaps postpone having A a bit. Uh, later or earlier so it was like a puzzle i had i i tried many different versions uh like okay a is maybe f- one and eight number or okay m- first and the fifth number so this kind of puzzling process and at the end i decided on the you know on the <clears throat> alignment that i decided you're
0: you're really feeling your way through these things just i'm just talking about basic intuition stuff right uh, yeah, yeah yeah well do you. The, do you think you'll ever come to a point where you'll figure something out like, oh, it, you know, I know I'm just feeling my way through this, but I've noticed that there's this pattern that's happened. This works every time for me, somehow. And then you'll be able to formalize it. This is also what I'm uh, wondering about. Because from a pro- practical point
1: of view, I would love to come to this understanding one day to figure out something oh this is really working yeah, and I, I mean want i'm to not even saying like create a, create created yeah, theory yeah, 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 just I to know. understand but yourself it would, but it would certainly help me in the sense of first of all to understand uh, myself and uh, to 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 detect something that is working and it would help me compose faster actually i would love that why not uh from the other hand i don't like so much things that are working every time and i'm trying to avo- avoid it actually intentionally so maybe one day I will come to date but so far I couldn't. And therefore it's taking so much time every time when I'm trying to, yeah, when I, when I take up for a, you know, writing a music piece. Uh, but what you say into about intuition is interesting. And, um, well, I have my way of understanding intuition. Well, sometimes I feel like I, I used to not, not, uh, I don't feel that bad anymore, but I used to feel a bit bad since, you know, People are asking you in these kind of events that, okay, you know, what are your uh, principles? I mean, why this duration? Why this amount of repetitions? Or why this team? They have these kind of questions. And I I have most of the time no answer. Well, I think there should be something inexplicable in a piece of music. However, if the number of parameters are too many, then there might be a problem as well. You know what I mean? So I don't feel always very comfortable about it. But from the other hand... Indeed, as you you see it, the way I work is pretty much dependent on my own intuition and the way I listen to the things because I read and listen every day to what I've been writing. And I believe that I developed my own way of understanding if things are working or not. I, I trust it more than any kind of uh, pattern or any kind of series or number of number or something
0: well it's a muscle now like you do yeah, it indeed. you do it every day I, yeah. you work yeah. you work at it because you look at it, 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 it yeah. and, and then you trust that feeling because you've exercised it so much yeah. you know it's not like one day you got up and you felt something that you never felt before and you trust it you've been exactly you know, you've been feeling whatever you've been feeling for as long as you've been riding this way exactly yeah
1: well nonetheless i cannot really say that you know the way i'm doing now feels all always right no but i'm still developing this what you call muscle which is a yeah really good word i think for that i'm still developing it and and i'm uh, you know i'm real decisive about it uh, i want to go in this way moreover i want to say something about you know my way of taking intuition you know for some people it sounds like you know when one says that well i did it intuitively it sounds as if for some people, uh, kind of frivolous, like it sounds like I took, I took the first thing or I did the first thing that come to my mind, which is not the case. I mean, what we call intuition is the result of a whole chain of thoughts and the little decisions and the little, you know, reactions that have been going in your brain. Well, there's a certain reason why you make this decision and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's not that simple that, yeah, I did it, you know, it just felt so. But it, it never just feels so. I mean, it has a certain reason.
0: I wonder if people who over-formalize stuff actually don't have, like, have a weak, I guess we're calling it a muscle now, but that muscle is weak in them. They go right to the reason. Mm-hmm. Well, there,
1: there are different ways of working, and this is my way.
0: you think you're going to stay in the netherlands
1: well this is the thing that uh i'm trying to decide now but it is extremely confusing because well i don't quite know what is the best thing for me well i from one hand uh despite all of all the possibilities that are in netherlands there are indeed possibilities there oh i have an environment i have people who i like and with whom i work uh, that's great but from the other hand i don't feel any more like a challenge here perhaps it would be it it is it would be a good thing to move on and to go somewhere else and to throw myself and put myself in a complete different uh, a, a environment and uh, that might be really enriching and challenging from the other hand you know, you need to. I need to. I feel that I need to really be smart, and you know, I need to calculate good what might be the pluses and minuses uh, of changing the locations. Actually, I've been struggling with this question for quite long time, not quite long time. How long have already. you been in,
0: How long have you been in this country for? Uh, I'm starting my fourth year. So quite a long time then. Well, well i rel- mean quasi relative. and you know relative. you know relative to i don't well, know whatever it doesn't
1: feel so long because two years were studies and i had last year and now i'm starting another year okay yeah that's true but I I, i'm be. feeling that i'm feeling that this year might be my last year i'm quite confused about it i won't be able to really give a clear answer about that i think i I think it might be the case that you know i'm going to try maybe a couple of like residencies in the germany in germany and maybe a couple of uh schools in uh, the states and going to see maybe there will be kind of natural selection you know i mean then i'm going to see what will happen or and what is
0: not going to happen then i'm trying to I think you have the good intuitive muscle to do it, so you know, apply that uh, well, to the feeling is... of your music and do it to you know, expand it to your life. Yeah, well you know? that
1: muscle is not not really working very well recently, but it's okay.
0: All right. Thank you for doing this. We've been talking for yeah, a while thank now. Thank you. Okay. Thank you.